0: Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama of four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. everyone quick trigger warning because I try to do them if we even briefly mention a topic that may be triggering for some people we do briefly mention rape and abuse in this episode so if you aren't feeling up to hearing anything about that then feel free to visit some of our other 350 some odd episodes that we've done otherwise I hope you enjoy the episode Hey everyone, today I'm here with Claudia. Claudia is an artist, author, philanthropist, abundance coach, journalist, mentor, mother, and wife. It's a lot. (laughs) I I feel that. No, when people read my bio, I'm like, oh my gosh, so much going on. Anyways, uh, she has dedicated the last twelve years of her life to empowering people, especially children and women from different backgrounds, to to discover and implement the full potential of their own creative powers for personal growth and self-healing. Well, Claudia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. How exciting. Oh, I always, you know, this is a labor of love. This podcast is <laughs> going on. It's its in its sixth season. So it's been a while. Wow.
1: Well, yeah. congratulations to you, you know, I mean, you're consistent you. and persistent.
0: <laughs> I try. Uh, so, Claudia, I would like to kick it off with you immigrated, um, mm-hmm. and we've shared a couple immigration stories, and I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yours.
1: So, I didn't really have planned to come to the states, but um, coincidentally, to what we were talking before the show, my brother had um, thyroid cancer when he was very, very young, and I come from Peru, and in Peru. Um, We didn't have uh, clean air and we didn't have um, the environment wasn't good for him. Mm -hmm. So my mother decided, let's go to see different doctors in the United States. And then, you know, we applied for the right visas and we stayed um, as a family uh, in the United States for her, for my brother to have the medical needs that he needed, you know, pretty much. So... This is how, this is how we came the first time. Um, I went back to Peru after a year or so. Um, and then I came back, you know, like three years later and starting from zero, you know? I mean, yeah. when you come back, when you come to a country that is not your country, when you come from, um, from a different country, you don't come with all your, um, diplomas all your graduation awards or whatever you just come as another human and you have to start from zero Mm -hmm. and that is a very humbling experience I mean I have friends that are doctors in their country and they're being housekeepers here because they don't have the possibility to work in their fields and perhaps in their country they were amazing doctors you know but here they have to survive and they have to make money and they have to send money to their country or to their mother, to their family, sometimes their own children. So I didn't have to do that. I um, didn't have any kids, but it was hard to start from zero. So um, I got married. Um, I had three kids with my husband. Uh, he passed away uh, a few years ago, but we were already divorced. But at the beginning was, was difficult. I didn't even speak the language. You know, it was a it was a transition for me to realize, Okay, what what are my gifts that I haven't used and I can use now to change the circumstances of my life? Because I think that oftentimes we allow the circumstances to make the decision instead of being as the ones that are making the decisions. So um, that that right from the get go was a very. Um, uh, empowering, you know, um, moment in my life to look at myself in the mirror, and I talk a lot about looking yourself in the mirror in my books because it's very important to have that connection with yourself. It, oftentimes, and more so when we're kids, you know, your mom tell you you're beautiful, your dad tells you you're beautiful, your Your sisters, everybody that loves you tell you you're wonderful, you're smart. And then suddenly one kid in school tell you you're fat, ugly, and stupid. And that's what you carry for some reason. This is the truth. This is a fact. You guys are lying to me. This person told me the truth. And we carry those things. And then when we grow up, you know, somebody said, oh, my God, don't be stupid. And that memory comes right back and it's center stage. And suddenly you are that stupid kid that you thought you were when you were in fifth grade or sixth grade. And so we accumulate all those things. And when the circumstances are not the way we expect or want all those memories or all those limited beliefs comes to you. And that's when you gotta look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, am I all those things that people think of me or, Am I this person that is looking back at me? Mm-hmm. Am I all these gifts that I know I have? Am I powerful? Am I strong? Am I self-sufficient? You know, you yeah. have to have those conversations. And one of the things that I always tell my clients is, I'm curious, what conversations are you having with yourself? Let's let's start from there. What it is that you're telling to yourself that is not allowing you to be the person that you're meant to be and it doesn't have to be the person that you're meant to be in 20 years It's the person that you're meant to be today and the person that you are going to meant to be in a month from now or in five years from now you know it's so important what we tell ourselves
0: yeah absolutely so what was it like for you how long had you been in the united states when you started having your kids and you became a single mom
1: Well, I got married with him um, when I was 25, 24, I'm sorry. I had my first daughter when I was 25. And the funny thing is that, I mean, medically, I couldn't have children. So I never thought I was going to have any kids. Um, I was going through, you know, doctors to see if, you know, I had a really severe case of endometriosis. They have told me, you know, if you have a kid, it will be a miracle. We're gonna put you on a medication. I believe it was called Sinarel or something like that, that I had to put in my nose. And by the way, when I started that treatment, I didn't have insurance. I didn't have anything. I clearly Uh remember this medication was like $300 for a little bottle. So it was a huge expense. And what the, what the medication did was make me um, have a menopause when I was very young, kind of okay. reboot my body, like what we do with the computers. Yeah. And, um, and when I stopped taking the medication, I go to the doctor and there was no period. I wasn't getting my period. I wasn't getting my period. And the doctor says, well, we're gonna give you a shot of Provera Because which is an an injection that sometimes they use to um, terminate um, pregnancies. And we are um, gonna give you this so then you can um, have your period. They gave me five shots and I still didn't have it. So the doctor said, at this point, I was probably two months into figuring out why my body wasn't coming back. And the doctor said to me, you're pregnant. So I was practically newlywed. So I turned around to my husband then and I said, I am going to have this baby even if I have an ear. Like, I don't care how this baby is going to, this is my only opportunity to be a mom. My life is not at risk. I want to have this baby. And Mm -hmm. he says, I'm in. So when Talia was born, she was absolutely perfect, pain in the butt, but she's a great kid and she was perfect. So After that, I did um, like three years of different procedures to try to have another baby. I did three inseminations and Isabella was born. Um, She was a still baby, actually. It was a very scary moment. They had to resuscitate her. And and again, the doctor said to me, you know, there is a chance that her brain is not going to be, you know, quote unquote, normal, because Mm -hmm. the oxygens and blah, blah, blah. She's fine. She has an opinion, a mind of her own. That's my Woodstock girl, you know, she knows what (laughs) she wants. She's a go-getter, so no problem. And four months later, I got pregnant of of Sophia. And, you know, she was a preemie, five pounds. So all my kids give me a little scare. But um, after six years of marriage, my my ex-husband was an entertainer. And you know, entertainers. And I I was an actress for many years. I don't know if you read that in my bio, but we have a different way of seeing things, you know? But I think men that are entertainers and I am not labeling, like that reassurance constantly, you know? And it's like one day he said to me, how come you don't look at me like my fans? I'm like, I go inside the bathroom when you came out of the bathroom. I know you're human, okay? (laughs) I don't have to see you like a superstar,
0: right? But
1: um, one thing led to another one and we actually had a really good marriage, but I kind of found out that he was having two lives to say it the best way. And this is something that I didn't talk to my kids until they figure it out on their own. And they figure a lot of things out on their own when he passed away because they had to go through a lot of pictures and there were girls in the pictures when they were very little, my kids are adults now. And, um, but for me it was very important that they had a relationship with their father. Um, I didn't wanna be an influence in Mm -hmm. the love they had for their dad or the respect they have for their dad. So for me, it, it was a rule and he was very respectful of that too. Even though we were divorced, we worked together with the kids. Yeah. To the point that he will call me on the phone and say, hey, Cla, uh, can Talia hang out with this girl? And I would say, no, I don't like it because this kid has, I don't know, too much freedom or whatever, you know? Yeah. And he will turn around and says, no, we don't think you can hang out with this with this kid. So we were always in the same page. And that actually helped my girls to even though the parents were divorced, they never lost that union. And Mm -hmm. when he passed away, uh, my girls, when we had a celebration of life because he's Italian and he wanted to be buried in Italy. So we Mm -hmm. had a celebration of of his life here in Las Vegas. And my kids went on stage and and they say, my parents got divorced, but we never stopped being a family. And I believe that's the best gift you can give to your kids if you are Mm -hmm. a divorced parent. You know, I'm not saying it's easy, I'm not saying it comes um, naturally or as a default, but this is something that as a parent, I felt it was my responsibility to make it happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I have this this mantra that I learned in um, in a choice university, which is an intelligence seminar here in Las Vegas. If it's to be, it's up to me. Mm -hmm. And when I am in a situation, when I have a fork in the road, and I am like, okay, the right way is a little harder than the left, you know? And you're tempted to take the left. I'm like, if it's to be, it's up to me. And I am just gonna take the hybrid and I'm gonna make it happen. So we work together and, you know, the girls had that balance that they needed in, in, in as far as relationship. Uh, they know what love looks like. They know what respect look like. Um, he never said, your mother is this, or your mother is that, and I never mm-hmm. say your, your father is this or your father is that. You know, it was always with respect and love. If I had something to say to him, I would pick up the phone and tell him. Yeah. I would not send message through my girls. I would mm-hmm. not, um, you know, point out when their dad didn't show up to pick them up, for example. You know, um, I would even sometimes blame me you know I would say oh my god I forgot to tell you he had an appointment it's okay sweetheart I'm gonna take you because I never wanted to contribute to a bank of resentment yeah for them you know it was important for me that they always loved their dad and they always knew that they were both we were both here for them and no matter what those kids were the most important thing in our lives so Um, we carry that, you know, after a few years, um, I met my actual husband and, you know, we got married, we've been together seven years, but the period of time and going back to what we were talking at the beginning, the period of time between when I got divorced and I met my new husband, but not new because 17 years, but that period of time was very hard Mm -hmm. because, you know, we... My ex-husband and I, we didn't become best friends right after the divorce. There were like, you know, two, three years that we kind of struggled. There was a, a, a power struggle kind of it, you know, yeah. and he didn't want the divorce, but I didn't want to be the wife where he had other interests. You know? Yeah. So I was like, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. I love you and I, you know, want the best for you, but this is not for me. I deserve better. Yeah. And this is again where you are, you know, in a fork in the road. I mean, do I just stay here? At that time he was, I was his manager for many years. So at that time he was making good money. You know, we were we were having a big house and three cars and you know, in the garage and blah, blah, blah. And I knew my life was going to change dramatically after getting a divorce. And I had three kids under five, which was very hard. You know, Yeah, my youngest one was 11 months and I had just had cancer in my thyroid. So it was one thing after another one. And yeah, the easy way would have been to look the other way and say, it's okay. I'm the wife and I'm going to stay. Maybe that works for other people. Didn't work for me. And I made a decision to leave and it was hard. And I never in million years imag- I, I would have imagined that I would have to do as much as I did Well, I was a single mom the first few years after my divorce. I didn't have anybody to watch my kids because I didn't have anyone here in Las Vegas. I was by myself. Um, so I started thinking practically, okay, the first year, I'm gonna eat all my savings. I'm gonna sell my clothes. I'm gonna do whatever I need to do. So I am present 24 seven for my kids. And I did that. How I did it, don't ask me because (laughs) I sold everything I could sell. So that would give me the freedom to be home with my 11 months old and and my two year old. When Isabella turned three, um, she was able to go to a pre-K So I found that I found a school that had also um, like um, daycare. Yeah. And I applied for a job there. And you think, you know, this is a girl who at 17 years old was so famous that when I would go to a radio interview, I would have to go to the roof of the radio station go to the next roof because in Peru, the houses are one next to to the other one. Yeah. So the fans will not jump me. (laughs) Okay. And I mean, you can Google it. And now I am working on a daycare as an assistant making minimum salary so I can watch my daughter through a window. Yeah. That is a very humbling moment in your life. Mm because. Oftentimes, we value who we are in our success based on the car, the house, the salary, the purse, the clothes that we have. And that's not who we are. We come with nothing. And we yeah. go with nothing. So the minute that you start seeing the who you are and the value of who you are, is that person looking back at you in the mirror? You can you can take the world because you don't need all those other things. I always said to my kids, is the one that wants it the most, the one that gets it. Because you see kids that come from India, that come from very poor families in South America, that comes from places that they don't even have a TV and they become these doctors, these amazing writers because they really want it. And that's the force. That's the force that we all have inside. So the minute that we realize how powerful we are, we're unstoppable. The circumstances are not going to define who I am. And I learned from right from the get-go, right there, when I was looking at my daughter through a window and me working with little kids without without the school asking me for any qualification. I didn't have to have a college degree. I didn't have to have anything. I just needed somebody to watch the kids, period. You know what I'm saying? So everything that I work, work for, everything that I learned, wasn't gonna make any difference at that moment. Just me there, that's it. That's all they wanted. But for me, it was such a gift to be able to be in a place where I can check on my two little girls because Thalia was already in, in, in um, first grade, first or second grade, I remember. But for me, I took it as a gift. I could have taken it as, oh my God, I'm such a loser. I'm working in a daycare when I used to be so famous and I produced these shows in Peru and I did this and I have my own line of clothes and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm in a daycare, poor me who, no for me was an opportunity to be with my girls, to grow, to learn something new, to make a difference in those children that I was watching, in those kids that, you know, they were not mine, but who knows, maybe I can make, I, I can give them something, you know, that that is gonna impact them in their life. Teach them how to be kind with each other, you know, have compassion, empathy. So, from that moment on, I make myself a promise that no matter where life will take me, as long as I have my girls with me, I was going to see the glass full. And my mother made a comment to me the other day about my glasses because I said, I don't have one glass. I have many glasses. So when I have one <laughs> kind of empty, the other one's kind of full. So I kind of balance them up <laughs> a little bit.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, though. I mean, it, if you only have one glass, then that's not good.
1: <laughs> no, no, you're stuck. Totally. Totally. So, yeah.
0: I love how you put it. I mean, I can't even imagine the transition it must have been coming from one country where, like you said, you were like really famous. You had all these things going on and then coming to the United States where it's like, I have nothing. And and that actually is like... um a theme in most of our immigration episodes that we've done previously is like, you know, they come from, you know, people come from a different country, they're doing really well, but they leave for whatever reason, right? The reasons vary. And then they come to the United States and they find like, nothing I did in this other country really matters. And I start from scratch, which I Mm -hmm. mean, has to be like, like you said, a very humbling experience to be like, what?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you know when um, when I when I started seeing how much the immigration is misunderstood, Mm -hmm. um, my husband and I created a foundation here. uh, Is the Bernstein uh, Children's Rights, and we help. uh, uh, How do you say that in English? I I try sometimes it's hard some words and accompany children. Uh, to get uh, legal representation. And because of that, I have learned so much about immigration. You know, I learned about this little girl that was sent from uh, El Salvador, I believe it was. And they gave her because they had a lot of terrorism and a lot of, a lot of bad things happening many years ago. Now that Na- Naib is there, is is a little better, but For years it was so bad and her mom gave her a Plan B pill and she was 10. And it was like, when I saw in the news the other day, you know, that little girl that um, had to go to another state to get an abortion because she was raped and she was pregnant. Imagine telling your daughter at 10 years old, you're gonna go to the United States. You're gonna be traveling for so many days. These men are gonna take you. But if they do this and this and that, you're gonna take this pill. Imagine that!
0: Wow! Imagine
1: how that mom had to feel. You know what I'm saying? It's so terrifying to me. And I, when I hear people saying, "Oh, we don't want those kids here," or "This, they just came here for to take our jobs," or whatever. You know, I have spoken in a lot of places about immigration because of the immigration. Um, rights that we have, you know, the, the foundation that we have. I have talked in many places because the misconception is crazy. Mm-hmm. They are, I'm not saying that they, they all have the same agenda. Of course they don't. But that the majority of the people that come through the borders and try to come from Mexico, from Central America, from places that they it's not even that they don't have freedom. It's that they are terrified. I come from Peru. I know what a terrorism can do to you. You know, I I vividly remember when I was 11 years old, I went to the bank to visit my grandfather with my mom. And there was this little kid that had her face pressed against the window. And when I walked into the bank, I couldn't really define her nose. It was like a hole. And I didn't understand what was happening with that child. So I found out that... A couple of Americans had come to to Peru to adopt this child because she was in one of the little aldeas or little towns, you know, up in the mountains and a bomb has exploded and she has lost part of her face.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: this child was being adopted by this American couple to bring her to the United States so they can repair her face and, you know, do surges, whatever they needed to do to help. But I have seen, you know, cases of little children that sell chiclets and somebody will say, hey, take this backpack to that, you know, bank or that building or whatever. And I give you, you know, two dollars and that kid would carry that. And then that kid would explode with that backpack Mm. inside that building. Those are the things that a mom that lives in countries like that have to face. So when somebody says, I can't believe they send the kid with nobody, it's the mother's fault. Do you know the circumstances? Would you have done something different? We always have to think, if I would be in those shoes, what, would, what can I do to protect mm-hmm. my kid? And you really have to choose your poison. You really have to think, you know, of all the bad things that are going to happen to my child, what is the less... Bad. Yeah. It's a horrible decision to make, you know? And and I think that if we are here in this country, and even though we're dealing with so many craziness that 20, 30 years ago, we didn't even dream, or that would be a nightmare, but yeah, that yeah. we would be experiencing, we're well, much better than a lot of countries. Yeah. A lot of other countries had it worse you know, Mm -hmm. and, and we need to be grateful and acknowledge what we do have and be a little generous with the other people. I'm not saying we're going to take everyone, but at least try to understand why they want to
0: come. Yeah. And I mean, from what I've been told, the American immigration system is very broken system. And it does not work the way it's supposed to. And it really needs to be revamped because people who should be able to come should be able to, you know, escape what's going on in their countries aren't able to because they can't even get a hearing. Like,
1: listen, they had a two-year-old and I know because I was, and I am very involved in in the whole process. They had a two-year-old in court and the judge is asking the two-year-old, hey, do you wanna stay? The two-year-old, number one, doesn't even speak, let alone English or Spanish. She's sitting there with a bottle, but they gotta have a hearing. So they're gonna put the kid in the stand. Mm -hmm. I mean, are you kidding me? And what is, let's say the kid is six or seven-year-old and now he knows a little better what's going on. You're sitting down in a court with a judge with the police, none of them speak your language, you're terrified.
0: Mm-hmm. You're
1: terrified. I was, um, I partnered with this um, um, professor from UNLB. Her name is Rebecca Nathanson, and she created um, Kids Court, which is a um, program that helps children get familiar with the judiciary system mm-hmm. because they notice that when, when a child is uh, in court, their heart rate is so fast, so fast, like if the, the kid would be having a heart attack. So um, they, um, with this program, they have like a little mock trial, but little, you know, so they yeah. teach the kids, this is a policeman, but he's your friend. He's not against you. He's there to help you. And the judge is this, and then they, they give him examples. So then the kids can be empowered. It was a case of a child that wanted to he was a little girl that was born here in the united states and she was asking for um her mom to be able to stay here so the kid happened to had leukemia so they had to postpone the trial a couple of times when uh finally the kid was feeling a little better she called um to ask if, you know, they could give her another hearing so she could talk about her mom. Mm -hmm. Um, At at this time, she had been going to kid's court. She was very empowered. She knew what the system was. She knew what she could get out of it. And they put her on the stand and they asked her, I understand that you're here because you want us to give your mom a residency, not even, you know, a citizenship, but residency. And the kid said, yes, but I I am also here to tell you that that man that is sitting next to my mom has been abusing me since I'm six. It was an eye opening for all of us because this is a situation where you see how important it is to give a voice to a child, to empower a child. And this kid was born here, so his English was perfect. Yeah. And the courage that the child had to go on court and point her aggressor, you know, it was, I get chills just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And that, well, that child is no longer alive because she passed away because she was very sick. Her mom got the residency and the guy went to jail, yeah. you know? So there are so many foundations in so many um, places that, immigrants can go to ask for help and there is so many things that if we learn about we can help our children to give them voice to empower them somebody asked me not long ago how do you think we can change this world and I said let's start with our kids Mm -hmm. let's start with our kids let's teach our kids to be kind let's teach our kids not to be bullies let's kids let's teach our kids to be grateful so they can Mm -hmm. have a life of abundance not entitled no khaki no bully you know
0: yeah
1: they learn those things at home
0: don't tell me they
1: learn those things in school Mm -hmm. because when my kid will come back to school and say I had there was a new kid in my class and the first thing that she said to me is she was black or she is black I would say I didn't ask you what race the kid was I ask you tell me about your friend
0: yeah
1: start looking for qualities in your friend Mm -hmm. Oh, she's so nice. And she's so funny. And I love her hair. And she likes to run. And she's so, uh, you know, vivacious, whatever. That's how you teach your kids to see further than what is obvious to them. Yeah. And I truly believe they start, you have to start at home.
0: Oh, 100%. It like hate and bigotry is absolutely learned. I, I have four children. And my twins are 10. They're about to be 11. Uh, And I remember them being in kindergarten. And my daughter, they're boy-girl twins, uh, came home and said, mom, I had an issue on the playground today. I'm like, okay, tell me about it. She's like, this group of kids was not letting this little boy play with them. And they said, it's because he's black. They were white children. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I told them that wasn't fair you're not allowed to exclude somebody because they're black. Mm -hmm. And she asked them why. And they said, because I don't play with black kids. I mean, mind you, we lived in an area that's very diverse, very diverse kindergarten. Why they learned it from their, their, their parents,
1: their parents, their aunts, their grandparents, whoever Mm -hmm. they learn it from them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: They learn it from them. Absolutely. And, and it's a shame. Because here we are, as an adult, having the opportunity to shape. You know, I had an understanding with my ex-husband. It was kind of funny. Because he said to me, I know you're going to raise them right. So I'm going to be the fun dad. Which I'm sure (laughs) it wasn't a sacrifice for him. But he empowered me, you know. (laughs) You're going to do a great job. So and I used to say to him, yeah, too many hands in the play to make a mess. So he would check with me. You know, we were on the same page. But he would not contradict it. And one thing we had in common, and it's he had a beautiful heart. So he was kind and he was loving and he was funny. He was a child himself. I mean, you know. <laughs> I got to find out that I was his mother in another life, which explains so many things. Oh my gosh. Know? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Explain so many at this point. You know, when somebody was doing a regression of me and she goes, Oh, this person was your son in another life. I'm like, Oh, well.
0: That thank you. I kind sense. of knew this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's so important. My God, we yeah. have the responsibility to shape these humans, you know, and I I mean for me, I always said I have a lot, I wear a lot of hats, I have a lot of careers, but a a lot of jobs, but my career is to be in a mom. Because I think that is for me so um gratifying, so empowering. I learn sometimes I'm the teacher, sometimes I'm I'm the student, Mm -hmm. you know, I and the responsibility and the privilege that you have as a parent to raise children, to raise these humans into good people. you know? Yeah. Take it serious. Take it yeah. serious. If you don't want it, then don't have it. But if you made a commitment to have this child, take it serious.
0: Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent, and I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, well, I don't discuss this with my kids, but they hear it. That's the thing is they're like. I don't, I I didn't tell my kid to be racist or, you know, anti-LGBTQ. They hear it. They hear the words we say and they hear everything like that. Uh, my Again, my daughter, my daughter is the, my son has ADHD. So he just kind of doesn't pay attention to these things. My daughter came home in June and goes, uh, my teacher wrote in a rainbow on the, didn't write anything like happy pride or anything like mm-hmm. that. Just wrote mm-hmm. in a rainbow on the chalkboard and my friend goes ew do you know what that means that's gross and my daughter was like i don't know what that means and she's like oh that's for gay people and my daughter's like the rainbow the rainbows for gay people she's like it's a rainbow <laughs> she goes <laughs> i love the, that the friend goes Yes, it's for gay people and gay people are gross. And of course, my daughter, I mean, we have LGBTQ family members. I'm a bisexual woman. They know this. And she was just like, looked at her and was like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) How sad, right? And it's like, you know, they learn because they hear these things from their parents. But I took pride as a mom, as I'm sure you do too when your kids say and do things like that are very like standing up for other people and yeah. you know using you whisper inc-
1: to yourself i did a yeah. good i did a good yeah. job <laughs> using <laughs> good inclusive
0: tip. language you know like sometimes they'll come home and and say something and i was like oh my gosh, I did that. I taught them that that's the right way of going about things. And yeah. it just, you know, as like you were talking about, like as a parent, you're just like, I just want to pat myself on the back because I may mess up a lot of things, but I'm doing pretty good here.
1: I, it always remind me, I don't know if you ever watched the Gilmore Girls.
0: I did, yes. Oh did. my
1: God. I used to watch that all the time with my oldest girl and I love, love the relationship they had. And the grandma remind me a little bit of my mom. So the, the, the <laughs> dynamic was very similar. So, but, you know, I always watch that show and I had those moments, you know, like when Lorelei he hears the daughter talking to Paris and saying, um, no, I never had sex, you know, and yeah. Paris go, the friend goes, what? You never did it? No, I'm waiting. I, I think I just went away. And she's Behind the door, and she goes, Yeah, I had the good kid. I have the good kid, you know, and I I had those moments and I'm like just laughing. And my daughter sometimes will come to me and she goes, Mom, you have the good kid. And I'm like, I know. You know, in those little um moments of 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 uh how you say that, those, those win moments, you know, that yeah. you feel, shoot, I did something good, okay? I, I'm not that messed up. I did something good. So yeah. it, it's amazing. Yeah. It I is. love those moments.
0: And those, you know, things that you've talked about, empowering people and, and choosing your path, you have passed those down to your children and then empowers them to be able to do these things, you know, cause they hear you, they hear what you're All saying. The they've time. seen you, they've All seen the what you've done. Um, and, and so they, they, you are displaying those things for them. Yeah. Yeah. And and that, that makes a difference.
1: And I don't understand um, what I hear sometimes parents say, do what I say, know what I do, not don't do what I do, do what I say. And and they laugh about it and they think it's cute and funny. But at the end of the day, that's not parenting. That's you not know, how I that d- works. That's not how they, that works. I say things to my kids sometimes that they don't like. Yeah, I call them on their, you know what? You know, and, and I say, hey, that was wrong. And I am not gonna hear, endorse uh, a, a behavior that I, number one, didn't touch you. You never saw yeah. that example on me because I am showing you by example. And believe me, it would be a lot easier for me if I would've took different paths instead of working in, in a daycare for a couple of years, okay? I I was not an ugly young (laughs) 21 year old okay I mean I could take different routes and I always was thinking my kids are watching me Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day we do live in Las Vegas and I don't want my daughter to come to me one day and say this is what I decided to do because you did it too yeah you know so it was very important for me to show them by example what's right and what's wrong and then you can make the decision, but you will never make the decision and come to me and say, Well, you did it too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, as we wrap up the podcast today, because the time goes by super fast. Yes. And we've covered <laughs> so many variations of to- topics. What would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with?
1: I would like every woman, well, I. I didn't even talk about my journal or anything, but that's okay. You have it in, in the link and you have my website. I will website. link it up, yes. You can link it up. But I think it's important that every woman that are that is are listening to us right now to know that the power is in them. The mm-hmm. conversations you have with yourself are the most powerful thing you can do to yes. yourself. Mm-hmm. That things don't happen to you. They happen for you. You can rescue a lesson in every circumstance and situation that you are experiencing. And it's up to you to shift and say, you know what, I got the power, I got this, and I'm going to move forward. And I, if I want that life, I'm going to have that life because everything is achievable. And the beginning of everything, in the beginning of the abundance is to be grateful for what you already have and start from there. And you're going to receive from a place of love, always.
0: Well, Claudia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank
1: you for having me. It was a blast.
0: Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.